Our Old Covenant reading this evening is from the book of Obadiah. We'll be reading verses 5 through 9 this evening. This is the word of the Lord. If thieves came to you, if plunderers came by night, how you have been destroyed. Would they not steal only enough for themselves? If grape gatherers came to you, would they not leave gleanings? How Esau has been pillaged, his treasures sought out. All your allies have driven you to your border. Those at peace with you have deceived you. They have prevailed against you. Those who eat your bread have set a trap beneath you. You have no understanding. Will I not on that day, declares the Lord, destroy the wise men out of Edom and understanding out of Mount Esau? And your mighty men shall be dismayed, O Timon, so that every man from Mount Esau will be cut off by slaughter. Here ends our Old Covenant reading. Keep your finger with me in Obadiah, as that will be our primary portion of God's word for this evening's sermon. Turn with me to our New Covenant reading in 2 Thessalonians 2. We'll be reading verses 1 through 12. This is the word of our God. Now concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered together to him, we ask you, brothers, not to be quickly shaken in mind or alarmed either by a spirit or spoken word or a letter seeming to be from us to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. Let no one deceive you in any way, for that day will not come unless the rebellion comes first and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction who opposes and exalts himself against every so-called God or object of worship, so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God. Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? And you know what is restraining him now, so that he may be revealed in his time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains it will do so until he is out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will kill with the breath of his mouth and bring to nothing by the appearance of his coming. The coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan, with all power and false signs and wonders, and with all wicked deception for those who are perishing, because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. Therefore God sends them a strong delusion, so that they may believe what is false." in order that all may be condemned who did not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Here ends our New Covenant reading. Turn with me, if you would, back to the book of Obadiah. Is a trumpet blown in a city, and the people are not afraid? Does disaster come to a city, unless the Lord has done it? God says, I form the light and create darkness. I make well-being and create calamity. I am the Lord who does all these things. Is it not from the mouth of the Most High that good and bad come? These verses from various places in the prophets teach us one important truth, and that is this. If good befalls a people or a nation, the Lord has done it. If judgment or disaster comes, the Lord has done it. See, God sovereignly rules 
the nations of the earth, doing good and bringing judgment according to his righteous and holy will. Now, as we come to the book of Obadiah, what's happening here is that God is prophesying destruction on Edom for their wickedness in partaking in the downfall of their brother Israel. And so what is clear in this book is that the judgment that will fall on Edom comes from the hand of the Lord himself. And so here in verses 5 through 9, what we see is that it is the Lord who takes away the prosperity of Edom. It is the Lord who takes away the help from Edom. And it is the Lord who takes away the protection from Edom. And so from outside perspectives, right, all these things are taken away from Edom by chance. You know, just nations rise up against them, bad things happen. It, it all just sort of comes together for a really bad day. But Israel is given the true story of what's going to happen to Edom. It is the Lord who is executing judgment. And if, the, if it is the Lord who takes away all these things from Edom, it takes away their prosperity, their help, their protection, then the flip side must also be true. It was the Lord who gave these things to Edom in the first place. If they received anything good, it was from the hand of the Lord. And if anything is taken away from them, it is from the hand of the Lord. Now what is God telling his people in all this? He's saying this to his people. It was I who gave Edom prosperity and help and protection. And it it will be I who will take that away from them. And if I'm the one doing this to Edom, the people of Israel, listen up. It was I who gave all these things to you. And it was I who took them all away from you. I give and I take away. I bless and I curse. And what I have taken away... I'm able to restore. That actually, as we will see, is the message of Obadiah. That God is the one who can restore what has been taken away. And so in declaring judgment on Edom, the Lord is pointing his people back to himself in a powerful way. He's calling them, graciously calling them, to return to him. Because the one who executes judgment on Israel's enemies is the one who will redeem and restore Israel. Now, we want to look at this reality of what is going on here, that that every good thing is from God and every judgment or everything that is taken away is also from God. We want to look at that under three points. The first is this, prosperity is from the Lord. Second, help is from the Lord. And third, protection is from the Lord. See, all these things come from the Lord and all these things will be taken away from Edom by the Lord. And so first, these verses teach us that prosperity is from the Lord. Look with me here at verses 5 and 6. The Lord says this, If thieves came to you, if plunderers came by night, how you have been destroyed, would they not steal only enough for themselves? If grape gatherers came to you, would they not leave gleanings? How Esau has been pillaged. His treasures sought out. What's going on here in these verses? Well, what's happening is that Obadiah has begun this book by prophesying that God is going to bring Edom down, right? Edom was like the one who was soaring high like the eagle, who had made his nest among the stars. But God promises, I can bring you down even from there. 
And in 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 pronouncing this destruction on Edom, now Obadiah is giving us these concrete illustrations so that we can understand just how devastating will be Edom's fall. Um, Edom's enemies won't come and just take a few things from them. Uh, you know, actually, something like that kind of happened to uh, to Judah multiple times in their history, where they had enemies come and take some of their riches away. Um, a good example of this is very early on, actually, um, after the time of David and Solomon, when Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, becomes king, Rehoboam walks away from the Lord, right? And Solomon has spent his whole life as king piling up the riches of Judah and Israel. But Rehoboam walks away, and the Lord sends the Egyptians to take away much of the treasure of the temple, much of the treasure of the king's house. Right? The Egyptians come, they take a lot of stuff away, but they don't take everything, right? There's still plenty there. Uh, and so Obadiah is giving us this kind of an illustration, right? Thieves and harvesters don't strip everything bare. Thieves only take what is valuable. They take what they want. They don't take everything. You know, maybe, I don't know, maybe you've experienced this. You have someone break into your house. It's not a nice feeling. It feels very violating. But, you know, in the end of the day, like, most of your stuff is still there. Like, they probably took the TV and the computer and stuff like that. But they left the pots and pans. They left the couch. You know, they didn't want... Okay, they didn't want my couch. I'm not saying anything against your couch. Maybe they want your couch. I don't know. But, like, for the most part, right, they don't take everything. Um, and it just reminds me of the, uh, the, Christmas, the classic Christmas movie, The Grinch Who Stole Christmas, right? He takes everything. And we sort of laugh because it's funny because thieves can't even do that. And it's kind of what... The Lord is pointing out here, like, if thieves had come to you, they would have just taken some stuff. Uh, Grape gatherers don't strip a vineyard bare. And and you remember, actually, that this is written to God's people. God's people would have understood this, that uh, grape gatherers were not supposed to take everything off of the vine. In fact, they were supposed to leave some for the poor and the needy. Uh, And you remember that that's, uh, you know, what happened in the case of Ruth, right? Ruth goes to glean in Boaz's uh, field and the the harvesters are, are leaving some behind for her. That's that was what God's people were supposed to do. Thieves don't take everything. Harvesters don't take every last piece of of grain or every last grape. But what will happen to Edom? Edom will be stripped bare. God will bring a complete and total destruction on his enemies. There will be nothing left. Edom will, in essence. When they are judged, they will cease to be a nation. Even Judah still had a remnant. And that's proven by the fact that God is in fact still speaking to them, but Edom will be left with nothing. There will be no remnant. There will be nothing left of them as a nation. Everything will be searched out and taken or destroyed. This pronouncement of judgment... On God's enemies, this pronouncement of judgment is so severe that even God's people, who have suffered at the hands of their enemies, it causes them to shudder. The middle of verse 5 here is is an exclamation from the prophet. It's like he stops mid-sentence and says, how you have been destroyed. Or the NIV says that I think this is a really good way. Oh, what disaster awaits you. In the middle of the prophecy, the prophet cannot help but, crying, but cry out, this is a terrible thing that will come upon you, Edom. 
Judah is reminded, as they receive this prophecy from the Lord, Judah is reminded that God is a just God. A God who executes judgment on those who turn away from him. What does that teach them? What does that teach the people of God? Well, it teaches them that, first of all, all these things that will be stripped away from Edom, all their prosperity is from the Lord. Israel had not acknowledged God's hand in providing all good things for them. They had trusted in themselves. They had turned away and followed after idols. They had treated God like he was just one among among many other gods. Sure, you know, like they didn't entirely leave off believing in God. Sure, he could provide good stuff for them. They knew that. You know, they still did their thing at the temple. But they could also get stuff from other gods. Ashtoreth and Milcom, Chemosh and Molech. And they went after those gods too. Why not try all the local gods and see if you can get as much stuff as possible from all the different gods? Why not hedge your bets a little bit and make sure that stuff works out okay for you? So God is is pointing to his people back to what they did, believing that they could get all these things from all these different gods. And he's pointing them back to the reality that he was the only one who had done it. In their unbelief, Judah might have been tempted to think that their fall was a coincidence, just a bad turn of fortune. But by judging Edom, and as it will turn out, we know from history, the rest of the nations, God is clearly showing his people that their downfall was not a coincidence. You know, the prophets prophesy against the nation, right? You might think, okay, the prophets prophesied against us and and we collapsed, we fell. Maybe it was a lucky guess, you know? And then, like, it happens again, and there's another prophecy against another nation, and that one works out too. And, and you're like, well, maybe this, there's something to this. And then three nations, four nations, nation after nation, God prophesies against them, and the prophecies come true. And Israel is watching all of this, right? All of these prophecies against the nations are written to them. And they're, they're reading and hearing these prophecies. And one by one, the nations that God prophesies against fall just as God had said they would. Yahweh declares judgment on the nations and each of them falls in turn. And Judah is left with the startling reality. This God gave us all good things. This God brought disaster on us. We must turn back to this God. Every good thing we ever received was from his hand. It was not our efforts. It was not our wisdom. It was not our ingenuity and our talents. It was the Lord. How does that carry down to us today? I mean, after all, we aren't turning to false idols of wood and stone and, and gold and We're not doing that, right? I mean, we know that. And I think on a more serious note, you know, we understand that, but we also understand there's always the danger of looking to more subtle forms of false gods, isn't there? There's always the danger of looking to good things that we turn into ultimate things. Money, success, reputation, right? We're aware of that. But I I want us to think about this on even a more basic level. Do we recognize where all our prosperity comes from? 
See, it, it isn't like, you know, for the people of Israel, God is not telling them, okay, I know you collected all that stuff for yourself, but then, you know, I took it away in judgment. That's not what he's saying, right? We don't by ourselves collect all our prosperity for ourselves. If God was the one who took it away, then it was God who gave it in the first place. I think that's what Job was talking about, wasn't he? In Job chapter 1, where he says, The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Every Sunday as we come together and bring our tithes and our offerings to the Lord, we acknowledge that we are returning to God a portion of what he has blessed us with. That all of these things were his to begin with. They came from him and we simply give back to him what already belongs to him. The Lord took everything from Israel and Judah in judgment. He took everything from Edom in judgment. But you know, for the child of God, there is no judgment. Because Christ bore the wrath of God for us. God will never take away prosperity from you in judgment. But remember this. While God does not judge his people, he does discipline us. Sometimes that discipline is for sin, right? Sometimes that discipline is just to make us better disciples, better followers of himself. And always that discipline is meant to sanctify us, to cleanse us, to make us more and more into the image of Christ. God gives you prosperity so that you will look to him as the provider of every good thing. And in doing that, in looking to him as the provider of every good thing, you will grow in grace. Every good thing comes to you from the hand of God. And God can take away prosperity. So that you will look to him as the provider of every good thing. And in doing that, you will grow in grace. So God's people here are being reminded that all prosperity comes from God. They had looked away from God. They had looked to other things and God is turning them back to himself. All these things are from me. Prosperity is from the Lord. Second, these verses teach us that our help is from the Lord. Our help is from the Lord. Look with me here at verse 7. All your allies have driven you to your border. Those at peace with you have deceived you. They have prevailed against you. Those who eat your bread have set a trap beneath you. You have no understanding. What's happening here is that when Edom will go to their allies for help, their allies will show them the door. Uh, you know, if we translated the word here, the word allies, if we translated it woodenly, we'd get something like this. Men of your covenant. These are, these are allies that had signed treaties with Edom. They had made covenants with them. But when trouble comes, they, they just bail. And, and you realize Edom's not a big nation, right? They didn't have the most powerful military. They, they depend for their security on their position in the mountains. They depend for their security on being friendly with those people around them to make sure they're not going to be attacked and blindsided. That's what you do. You make peace with the people close to you. I mean, think about the United States, right? You make peace with Mexico and Canada. You share a lot of border with them. It's just wise. That's what Edom did. They made all the right decisions. They signed treaties with their neighbors. But instead of helping Edom, these allies will betray them and turn them away. 
God says of Edom, you have no understanding. In other words, they'll never see this coming. They, they, they didn't plan for it because their allies were supposed to help them. There is no other plan B, right? This was plan B, to, to be friendly with the nations around you. They will be completely blindsided by this treachery. In judgment, the Lord will take away all help from Edom. And this is the same thing as prosperity, right? What the Lord takes away is something that comes from him in the first place. The people of God are being pointed back to and reminded who was their help. Who was their help that they had turned away from? David had confessed in Psalm 124.8, Our help is in the name of the Lord who made heaven and earth. But Israel forgot that. They forgot who their help was. Even the good kings of Judah had forgotten this at times. Second Chronicles tells about how Asa, king of Judah, Asa was a, was a godly king for most of his reign. Uh, and, and at one point he was in a very bad situation when the Ethiopians came up against him and the people of Judah. They were vastly outnumbered. There was no way they were going to win this battle. And they cried to the Lord and the Lord delivered them. And then later on in Asa's reign, Baasha, king of Israel, came against Asa and Judah And instead of looking to the Lord for help, Asa turned to Syria for help. And the Lord rebuked him for that. Why? Is it it wrong to go plan ahead and to make sure you have allies? No. But God is the help of his people. Asa was putting his trust in man rather than in God. He never sought the help of God. He never looked to God for help. He didn't ask God what he should do. He simply made his plans and went forward, trusting in himself and trusting, as it turns out, in God's enemies. The question we want to ask ourselves as we read this part of God's word is, where do we turn for help? Do we look to the Lord for help in some things, but then try to figure out other things on our own? I think we're all prone to this a little bit, right? Like, we could definitely look at areas in our life and say, I am trusting in the Lord in this. I am resting in the Lord for this. But we could also find other areas in our lives where that's not so much the case. Think of it this way. Let me give you an example about how this might happen. Um, let's say you get laid off from work. Not a fun thing to happen. And you don't know what you're going to do, right? Like you weren't expecting this layoff. It comes out of nowhere. How are you going to pay the mortgage, the utilities? How are you going to buy food, put gas in the car? Which it turns out is a lot harder to do than it used to be. And you're in this kind of situation and you cast yourself on God and you say, God, I need help. And and the Lord provides, right? He sends you friends who give you groceries or a little cash when they know you're down. Or maybe they bring by a meal. And, you know, time goes on and you keep waiting on God and God does provide a job. And you praise him for that. What's the next thing you do? The next thing to do, the temptation is you start thinking, this is a good job. It seems pretty stable, but what if I get laid off next year? I better start planning for that. And so you start building your connections, creating relationships, coming up with your plan B, keeping your resume up to date. Who do I need to know in case I lose my job again? Now here's the thing, there's nothing wrong with planning and wisdom, right? There's nothing wrong with that. But it's easy to start putting your trust in your planning, 
in your connections, in your ability to stay one step ahead of the next potential crisis. And so you find yourself, when you go to bed at night and you worry about getting laid off, you find yourself drawing security from the fact, I have, I have so-and-so, and I know they would be able to get me a job. And, and I know so-and-so. And that's where your mind goes, and it doesn't go to, Lord, I'm resting in you. That's the problem, right? It's easy to forget that God is the one who has helped us time and time again. It's easy to forget that he will be there for us when the next crisis comes, whatever that crisis may be. So God is calling his people back to this. Look, I took away, I will take away all help from Edom. I give help and I take it away. Israel, where are you looking for your help? Who are you turning to in your captivity, in your time of exile, What are you putting your trust in? And that's the question for us today as people of God. Where is our trust placed? Where are we looking for help? Our prosperity is from the Lord. Our help is from the Lord. Finally, our protection is from the Lord. Our protection is from the Lord. Look with me here at verses 8 and 9. Will I not on that day, declares the Lord, destroy the wise men out of Edom and understanding out of Mount Esau? And your mighty men shall be dismayed, O Timon, so that every man from Mount Esau will be cut off by slaughter. Now the wise men that are mentioned here are the counselors and advisors. They're those people that you rely on in time of crisis. They're the leaders of the nation. These are the people that will be taken away just when Edom needs them most. Her allies will abandon her, and now her wisdom will be taken away. The thing is, that's a promise coming from God himself, right? When, God, when it says here, will I not on that day, declares the Lord, it's kind of a funny way of saying it. The easier way to say it is, surely I will do this. What God declares surely will come to pass. Edom will be stripped of her counselors and her leaders. Imagine for a moment what that would look like to the United States in a time of terrible crisis. Imagine if we suffered some kind of national disaster and all our leaders were taken away. No Congress, no President, no Pentagon, no state governors, no state legislatures. Gone. What would happen? A nation with no leaders will most certainly fall in time of crisis. The Lord has taken away Edom's counselors at the moment when they need them most, and so they are unable to respond to the crisis because there's no one who knows what to do. But it gets even worse for Edom. They have no warriors, they have no leaders, and now their warriors have lost all courage. Jeremiah 49 Jeremiah 49, it turns out, is also a prophecy against Edom, and some of the language is similar to what we find here in Obadiah. Jeremiah puts this idea of Edom's warriors losing heart, puts it like this. The heart of the warriors of Edom shall be in that day like the heart of a woman in her birth pains. They just, they can't do it. And the only possible outcome at this point, they have no leaders, they have no warriors. The only possible outcome is that they're going to be wiped out. God is turning everything against them. You know, God actually said 
to his people what would happen because they had turned away from him. In Isaiah 30, God said to his people, A thousand shall flee at the threat of one, at the threat of five you shall flee. And what God is communicating here to his people is true not just for Israel when they turned away from God. It's true also for the nations whom God decides to judge. And that's this. Numbers don't matter if the Lord is for you. And numbers don't matter if the Lord is against you. And that is what will happen to Edom. The Lord has turned against them and their courage will completely fail. Their riches and their resources will be plundered. They will be left without allies, without anyone to turn to for help. They will lose their wisdom and their leadership, and they will lose their military might. Those are all the things you need for a stable society, right? Like, if you want to have a society, you're going to have to have those things. Without them, Edom will surely fall. What is God saying to his people? Some trust in chariots. And some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. That used to be Israel's motto. It used to be what they confessed. But they had forgotten that. I think there's something, there's definitely something to the fact that as Christians in a very prosperous and powerful country, I think there's a sense in which we look to our nation for physical security and protection. We think of outside threats, and what's the first thing we think of? Well, the United States is pretty powerful. No one's going to want to threaten us. Do you ever think about the Christians who live in countries where their own nations have turned against them, where they don't have protection from their country? What about them? What if that were to happen to us? I mean, I don't know. We can't predict the future, right? But, but what if that were to happen? Yes, the protection of our nation may fail us. It may be taken away. But God will always be the protection of his people. Wasn't that the message of God to Israel in the, in the book of Ezekiel, right? The presence of God was taken away from them and they were destroyed. But what happened when they went into exile? God had not abandoned his people presence of God was with them. And that applies to us in all areas of life. Because you are in Christ, God will never take away his protection from you. It doesn't mean you will never suffer harm. It doesn't mean you will never suffer want or sickness. But it does mean that in all things, God is with you. He left unbelieving Israel to suffer judgment He abandoned Edom to the will of their enemies. He will never abandon those who trust in him by faith. God was with the remnant of Judah who turned to him by faith. Even though he had poured out judgment on them, whoever looked to him by faith, God was with them. Child of God, God is with you. Hebrews 13.5, the Lord says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Edom trusted in their prosperity. They trusted in their allies. They trusted in their wisdom and their might. And it didn't do them any good, did it? God's people are being reminded to look to God for all these things. For prosperity, for help, for protection. He alone gives them. He alone takes them away. He alone can restore them. This is not a prosperity gospel, right? This is about humble dependence on God for all things. Dependence on his will. 
dependence on him for what is good, submission to his will for what he believes is best for us, his people. He alone brings salvation to us. Amen.